says, Praise the Lord. Praise all servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high? Amen. Amen. We are here to glorify our 
God. While you're standing, take a moment and welcome those around you. You may return to your seats and you may be seated. You may be seated. Want to take a moment just to welcome you uh, to Northside Baptist Church. Want to make just a couple of announcements before we light our next Advent candle. If this is your first time with us or maybe your first time in a long time, welcome we are glad to have you. Maybe you're in town visiting family, just passing through. Uh, thank you for coming to worship with us on this Sunday morning. If this is your first time, there's a couple ways you can let us know that. There's a QR code um, inside the bulletin that you can scan, or there's a welcome connection card um, out there in the foyer. Uh, if you would take a moment to fill that out. Before we do our Advent candle, I want to take a moment just to remind you that in the month of December, we emphasize the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for our international missionaries. And so you'll see our goal is 8,000, right? So far to date, you've given 1,406. So for about every $320 or so that you give, we put uh, a ribbon on the tree. So, so far we've got four uh, ribbons, bows up on the tree. Um, just a reminder, the envelopes are in the pew. We have multiple envelopes in the pew. You need to use the one that says IMB or Lottie Moon. And I want to challenge you to give generously and sacrificially. Every week during December, we show a video. Um, they do a great job, the IMB, of, of doing these videos. And we're introduced to some of our missionaries, IMB missionaries. Today, we are blessed to actually have a real-life IMB missionary. By, yes, living, breathing with us today. Um, so we live in a, in a big world, right? Massive world. So this morning, we have Richard Away who is currently the Human Resources Director for the Asian Pacific Rim Peoples. And you say, who is the Asia Pacific Rim Peoples? We have a video we're going to show later um, that will introduce that. So right before I preach, we're going to show a video, and then Richard is going to speak, and then I'm going to follow that up with preaching, um, kind of piggybacking on that as we look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. So we live in a big world, but it's actually a small world. Uh, so Richard... His wife is from Noonan, so they are on furlough. They go back middle of January, um, so they've been right here in Noonan. Their nephew played upward soccer for us, which is really cool. 
And we found out that Richard was Brian Lucas's Sunday school teacher at Prince Avenue when he was in college. Um, so though he lives on the other side of the world, uh, it is a small world. And so Richard is, is here. We also know the Most, Johnny and Donna Moss that we work with. They are IMB missionaries, and they've been with us before as well. And so it's important to know there is much work to be done. And every one of us have a mission and a purpose, and that is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And we gather to worship the name of the Lord our God. And so as we're in this season of Advent, uh, Mr. Dennis and Miss Robin McMichael are going to lead us in the lighting of our next candle. So if you'll come, Dennis. Third Sunday of Advent, as we think about the coming of Jesus Christ, we light the candle of joy. When Christ comes into our lives, he brings the fullness of joy. Luke uh, 2.10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Advent allows us to not only look back to Christ's first coming, but also look forward with great joy to his second coming. In John 15.11, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you that you... My joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Uh, John 16, 22 says, Jesus said, So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. My joy from you, excuse me. And in Revelation 22, 10, uh, 20, it says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Faithful God, we thank you for coming into the world and filling us with your joy. No matter what comes our way, we can face it because you are with us. And now we wait for you to come again. We know that you will because you promised to return. Give us great joy as we prepare for your coming. In Jesus' name, amen.
Lord God, thank you for the joy that you bring this church. Thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. Uh, we're so grateful for the gifts that you, you've bestowed upon this church and thankful. And Lord, I pray now in these gifts that we're about to give today that we give them in the proper fear of the Lord and that they're used to glorify you and all that this church does and all that we do. In Jesus' name.
choir. All right, at this time, our kiddos are going to make their way out to Children's Church. And while they're doing that, as we're transitioning, let me kind of introduce the sermon message, which will be an abbreviated sermon, but I just kind of want to let you know where we're going, and then uh, you'll see a video, and then Richard is going to come and share. So we've been working our way through 1 Peter. 1 Peter, we come to chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and in these verses, we're going to spend two weeks looking at them. Peter talks about our identity, like who we are. We're going to see that next week, but then he also talks about our calling. So as we're living in this this place of the already of our salvation conversion and the not yet of our home going, what is your calling? Let me ask you this. When God saves you, whether it's at the age of 8 or the age of 80, why doesn't God just immediately take all of us home to be with him? Like, that'd be pretty nice. I've saved you, just come be with me forever. But he doesn't do that. We're here. He leaves us here. Why? Well, Peter says you are a people for his own possession. In other words, you belong to God that or so that, and here's your calling, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Every one of us in this room, you are called to declare the excellencies of God wherever you are. And God in his grace sets men and women apart, women like Lottie Moon, men like Richard, to go into full-time missionary work where they are taking the gospel, they're being lights in the midst of darkness, telling people about Jesus Christ. And so we have a video here to introduce you to the Asian Pacific Rim peoples, and then Richard is going to come and share a little bit about the work that's going on there. To know us is to know we're many. 2.3 billion and counting stretching from Mongolia in the north to the southern islands of the Pacific. We are the Asian Pacific Rim peoples. We're a diverse group. Our cultural differences are immeasurable. Overcrowded cities, barren landscapes, towering mountains, sun-kissed beaches, Democratic structure, military control, immense riches, crippling poverty, honoring tradition, paving new paths, rice fields and cubicles, flip-flops and suits, deserts and rivers, coffee and tea. And while our cultural differences are vast, with over 43,000 of us dying every day without Christ, our ultimate need is the same. We need Jesus. For many of us, faith is insignificant. Others worship many gods. And though some of us are devoted to religion, the vast majority of us have yet to meet the one true God. Our eternity demands urgency demands prayer, demands sacrifice. The harvest is certainly plentiful, but the laborers, they are few. Will you join the Lord of the harvest?
morning. Wonderful to be here this morning. I had no idea we had so many connections with you all already. Uh, found out this morning that Brian and Alexa go to church here. And, um, I did teach their Sunday school class, but we were really more contemporaries, uh, about the same age. And uh, yeah, so uh, we serve as your IMB missionaries in Tokyo, Japan. Um, and I want to start just by telling you a story before I introduce my family a little bit uh, about a guy named Toshiyuki who lives uh, near us and goes to our house church uh, that meets on Sunday nights in our home. Uh, Toshiyuki uh, teaches American government at a university in, t in the Tokyo area. And uh, when he was working on his dissertation, he had to fly to America. He was doing his dissertation on Lyndon B. Johnson's domestic policies. So uh, he's flying to Texas to go to the presidential library there, and he gets on the plane, and uh, he, you know, he, his background is his, he grew up in a Buddhist home. His father's very devout Buddhist. And uh, he's sitting on this airplane, and he sits next to this lady named Susan, who was on her way back to the States from being in China on a mission trip. And Susan spoke to Toshiyuki and said, uh, you look tired. And, uh, and he was going through depression and just a lot of heavy things in, in his life. So they talked on the way back, and when he, when he got to the States, his computer broke, and he couldn't really do much while he was there for part of the time. So he's in his hotel room, and he found a Bible, and he started reading it, and he told me uh, once that, uh, he said, reading the Bible was like taking medication. It just soothed my soul and, and, and calmed me uh, in spite of all the turmoil that was going on in my life. And he attended uh, a small group, a house church, while he was in Austin for the few weeks that he was there. And when he came back, uh, at some, there were some Japanese that attended that uh, house church, and, I mean, that, the, the gathering there. And so they said, we'll connect you with somebody that, you know, when you go back to Japan. So I ended up getting his name and reached out to him. Uh, I don't even remember how we got connected, but a friend of a friend or something like that. And um, so I said, well, when you come back to Japan, let's, let's get together. Um, where do you live? He said, I live in Kawasaki. Well, Kawasaki is a city of like 1.4 million people sandwiched in between Tokyo and Yokohama. And um, uh, I said, well, I live in Kawasaki too. Where, where in, in uh, Kawasaki do you live? He said, I live in Takatsu Ward. I said, well, I live in Takatsu Ward, you know? Where, where, what neighborhood? Well, I live in Shimosakunobe. Well, that's where I live. He lived in my neighborhood. And he told me later, he's like, well, I thought there was a missionary in every neighborhood, you know, and I just, you were mine. I was like, no. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the Lord brought us together that way. And in spite of, I'm like, this guy's going to get saved, right? Uh, I met with him at Starbucks once a week or so for like five years sharing the gospel with him. And he never would make a decision to follow Christ. So finally, I was like, I, I don't know what else to do. You know, I, I, I've, I've shared everything I know to share. Um, Unless you're willing, I, I just, we're, you know, we can't go any further. So we, we kind of stopped meeting for a couple of years. Finally, he calls me back and one day, and he says, uh, uh, can we meet again and study the Bible? And I said, sure. So we met again after two years, and uh, on that first Sunday, I went through and shared the gospel with him again, and he prayed to receive Christ. And we were able to baptize him, and he's one of our uh, guy I'm kind of developing as one of our leaders in, in our house church. Really, right now, he's the only other believer in our small house church of about 20 people that, that all come from our community. I share that story for two reasons. One is it's kind of indicative of, of leading Japanese to faith. It takes quite a while. Most Japanese take repeated uh, opportunity, you know, uh, hearing the gospel multiple times in order to be 
uh, to make a decision. Most of them just really struggle with that. The other thing is that uh, Japanese are most receptive to the gospel when they're actually outside of Japan. And uh, I've been here in Noonan for six months on stateside assignment with my family, and I hear Japanese being spoken at Kroger and at you know, restaurants. They're all over the place. So um, one encouragement to you this morning is be on the lookout for people from other places that God has brought here because you never know who might be open to hearing the gospel. So uh, my wife, as uh, Aaron, Pastor Aaron said, uh, was born and raised here in Noonan. She's a multi-generation Noonanite. Uh, went to Noonan High School, and we met in college. Um, and God called us to, to Japan as missionaries. This is our 25th year serving there. Um, we did meet at Georgia, uh, and uh, we have four boys that uh, were all born in Tokyo. Um, two of them are in college right now here in, at Kennesaw State, and uh, two of them will be going back to Japan with us in January when we return uh, to serve in our next term. But we live in Tokyo. It's the largest mega city in the world with about 38 million people. Uh, it's a very crowded city, um, but just an, an amazing place. And we, we share the gospel there in our community and we disciple believers and we uh, develop leaders and we um, uh, have, as I mentioned, a house church that meets in our home. And I'm also blessed to serve as the uh, HR director for the Asian Pacific area. So we have, I represent missionaries from about 16 countries in the area uh, serving uh, as your IMB missionaries. Japan, though, I was one I want to focus on today. It's an amazing country. Uh, it's an economic powerhouse, as you know. Uh, it's now more than ever a major cultural influence. I'm reading this book right now about how Japan has really affected, like, the global culture. When you look at it, things like uh, karaoke, you know, uh, where kind of first-time amateurs were made to feel like professionals and stuff like that, or the Walkman, you know, it's kind of the first device that started isolating people from their surroundings and kind of the world around them and how that's uh, affected our world today, you know, and uh, emojis and, and Pokemon and Hello Kitty and uh, video gaming and manga and anime. I see Japanese on t-shirts and stuff here in Noonan all the time now. It's just amazing uh, the influence that they have. But in spite of that, um, Japan's population of 126 million people is still less than 1% Christian. Uh, they're primarily Buddhist and Shinto. Uh, most are both. If you look at stats like 80% Shinto and 70% Buddhist or something like that. Uh, it's very pluralistic, polytheistic, synchronistic, uh, animistic society. It looks very modern, but it's still very traditional in many ways. It's known as the land of the Yoyorozu no Kami, which means the land of 8 million gods, where anything can be a god. There's an expression, even the head of a sardine can be uh, divine with, uh, you know, devotion. Uh, so you can worship anything. And so Japanese worship uh, nature. They worship, you know, anything unusual in nature. Uh, they worship their ancestors, venerate their, their ancestors. Uh, and so it's, uh, they see kind of Christianity as a foreign religion that if they become a Christian, it's kind of leaving their Japanese identity. So that's where we serve. And it's a wonderful place, a hard place. Um, but y'all know what the world's greatest problem is? It's actually, I've noticed, it's on the front page of your bulletin under the Lottie Moon story. Uh, there's three truths that drive us. The world's greatest problem 
is lossless. I wish I had time to unpack that. But you know, if you look at every problem in the world today, whether it's at a micro or macro level, it all boils down to the fact that we're all lost and separated from God and living our own selfish ways. And so the world's greatest problem is lostness. And we believe that the only solution to the world's greatest problem is the gospel. We thirdly believe that the biblical model for taking the gospel to the lost is our presence among the nations. And in your case, presence here in Newton. I believe Pastor Ann's going to preach on that in just a few minutes. But in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, Paul says to the believers in Thessalonica, Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord. So Paul here, he goes on to talk about how for this brief time that he and Silas and Timothy were living amongst the Thessalonians, that they lived as incarnational witnesses to the gospel. And they shared in word, they were sharing the gospel, but he goes on to talk about not only in word, but also empowering the Holy Spirit. And if you go on to read the following verses, he talks about how they lived authentically and obediently to the Lord and boldly and purely and gently and sacrificially in love, giving of themselves to win others to Jesus. And that's what we're all called to do. And as missionaries, that's what we do, living cross-culturally so that Japanese can meet a Christian and know what a Christian looks like and what a Christian believes and what it looks like to follow Christ and the difference that he makes in our lives. And I will tell you, there's so much joy and excitement and fulfillment in participating in God's mission to reach the lost and to reach the nations. It's a huge privilege. And uh, <clears throat> we're grateful for the privilege of serving as your IMB missionaries um, in APAC and also uh, in serving our missionaries who serve across the Asian Pacific. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I told you Renee and I met at, at Georgia and we are very committed Bulldogs. Uh, we met in the Red Coat Marching Band uh, we get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to watch the games live in the fall from Japan. Uh, and so we've taught our boys uh, to uh, cheer for the dogs. And um, my side of the family is originally from Kentucky. And uh, <laughs> so I do cheer for the, for the Wildcats uh, when they're not playing the dogs. But when they're playing the dogs... We cheer for the dogs because they're our team, right? They're our home team. And whatever your thoughts are about that trade school up in North Avenue, I'm not going to go there. But Georgia is Georgia's flagship school, right? That's why they call the University of Georgia. I mean, if you're faithful to Georgia, you cheer for the dogs. Um, do you all know why the SBC exists, the Southern Baptist Convention? This is a Southern Baptist church. The Southern Baptist Church is made, is Southern Baptist Convention is made up of autonomous churches. And the main reason, one of the main reasons that the SBC exists is because a group of churches got together and said, you know what, if we pool our resources, we can be more effective at sending missionaries and fulfilling the Great Commission. And the IMB is the flagship of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's one of the main reasons that the SBC exists and why all of these independent churches associate together and so we're your home team right uh, and uh, we're supported through your prayers 
and through your giving to the Lighting Moon Christmas Offering and to the cooperative program. As IMB missionaries, the Lighting Moon Christmas Offering supports and enables us to live among the lost and to share the gospel. It's vital to the sustainability of our work on the field. Uh, 100% of everything you give to the Lighting Moon Christmas Offering goes to support missionaries on the field. None of it goes to the U.S.-based uh, administration or any of the costs that are here. It all goes to fund missionaries living overseas. And so your offerings that you give during Lottie Moon takes care of you know, things like our housing and our salary and our insurance and, and our kids' schooling, but also our ministry and, and the Bibles we purchase to give out and the humanitarian needs that we try to fill and disaster relief that we do. That all comes from the generosity and the support of Southern Baptists and churches just like you here at Northside. And so, uh, as your church is giving to the Lighting Moon Christmas offering this year, and I heard your goal is $8,000, I would just uh, uh, ask you to remember us and our family and know that when you give, you're supporting our family in Japan and gospel access for people in Japan, along with 3,500 of our other colleagues who are serving in some very difficult and dangerous places all over the world. Uh, we'd ask that you'd remember to pray for us as we get ready to go back. We head back on, on January 18th. This time we'll be leaving two of our boys here in the States, uh, which is not an easy thing. I have a dad. My parents live here in Noonan. Uh, he's battling cancer. Uh, and so we're just praying that God will, will continue to work in his life and heal him as well. And so we just appreciate your prayers for our family. We appreciate your prayers for our house church. Uh, we have about 20 people, and other than Toshiyuki, the other believers have moved, and so we only have one other believer besides our family, and the other dozen or so people that come are all non-believers in our community. They come faithfully every week, and we're sharing the gospel with them. So we pray, ask you to pray for their salvation, and uh, and that pray that God would, as I said in the video, that God, God would call out more workers into his harvest. Perhaps as you pray about what God would have you give, uh, to Lottie Moon, you also pray about, you know, surrendering ourselves daily to like, what is God calling me to do? Maybe God's calling someone out of this church uh, to go serve overseas. My wife grew up here, like I said, never considered missions, uh, but God had a plan for her and, and has sent her to Japan, and maybe he's sending, or planning to send someone from, he, from here, but we want to be daily surrendered uh, <clears throat> to what God has called us to do. So I just want to say thank you again for your prayers, for your generous giving and financial support through the cooperative program and through the Lighting Moon Christmas offering giving. And uh, just uh, remind you that you are helping to impact lostness in Japan and in Asia Pacific and around the world through your uh, giving and prayers right here in Noonan. Thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate that very much. Peter's clear. Chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that for the purpose of that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's start at the end of that verse and then work our way back. He has called you. Peter's clear in this letter, 
the initiation of salvation begins with God. He's chosen us, right? He's called us. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter's saying, once you were in pagan darkness, now you experience God's light. In the New Testament, conversion, salvation is often depicted as a transfer from darkness to light. Darkness is the absence of light. It's the absence of light. God is light. So to live in darkness means we are without God. We are cut off from the light. We are in the dark. And in the dark, evil is conceived and evil is carried out. And so what Peter says to those of us who are believers living as exiles, he says, you have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen to some New Testament scripture, Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, for you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Last week we saw that the Peter, quoting from the Old Testament, applying it to Jesus, said that Jesus is the cornerstone. He is this stone of stumbling and of offense and he has been rejected. Why? Why do so many reject Jesus? Well, I think John, in John chapter 3, makes it pretty clear as to why they reject Jesus. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 19, says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light. Why do people love the darkness over the light? John says, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. He hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? Lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. If you were to walk into a dark room, you have no idea what's in that room. If somebody to turn on the light, there could be a million dollars in that room. There could be the most famous person that you could think of in that room. Or you could turn on the light and you could be surrounded by a hundred poisonous snakes. You have no idea what's in the darkness unless the light shines. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the light of the world and he comes into the world, into the darkness. And the reason he is offensive, the reason he is offensive, the reason the cross is offensive it's because the cross of Jesus Christ tells us the light shines into the darkness of our hearts and says, you can't save yourselves. You're not good enough to save yourselves. There's no amount of good works, of good deeds that you can do to save yourself. You are a sinner. And that's offensive to men and women who are filled with pride. Christ is also offensive because his lordship offends people. Not only is he Savior, but he's Lord. And when you come to Jesus as Lord, he confronts your sin and he demands obedience. P 
Peter is filled with these wonderful truths of who we are in Christ. But it's also filled with, in light of that, you are to live a certain way. We once were in darkness. We were rejecting Jesus Christ until we saw the light. We saw the light of Jesus Christ. We saw ourselves as sinners, and we saw Christ as marvelous, and we repented of our sins, and we believed in Jesus. Charles Wesley, in his well-known hymn, And Can It Be?, writes this, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray, I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amen? You were in chains, you were in darkness, in the light of the world, through the preaching of the gospel, through somebody sitting down and sharing the gospel, through a parent or a Sunday school teacher or a VBS leader or a missionary, they begin to share the gospel and the Spirit of God used that word to open up your eyes to see and you responded and you believed. It says you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Continue, going backwards. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. The excellencies of him who called you. Lao and Nida in their Greek lexicon say excellence refers to a manifestation of power characterized by excellence. It means a wonderful act, a powerful deed, a wonderful deed. Your translation may say to proclaim the praises of him or the mighty deeds of him. His excellencies we praise. Psalm 98.1, for he has done marvelous things. Psalm 118.23, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Psalm 77.12, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Psalm 106, verse 8, yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. Psalm 145, verse 4, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Luke 1, 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Peter has already told us, you've been born again. You have been given an inheritance. You have been redeemed through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You have received resurrection power, and it is all because of God's mighty work in your life. Amen? It's all because of his power, his excellencies. And so what do we do with God's mighty work of calling us out of darkness and into his marvelous light? Here is your calling to proclaim his excellencies. God has done so that you may go forth and proclaim. Peter has in mind here Isaiah. Specifically Isaiah 43. Peter loves to go back to the Old Testament. Show us how it all points to Christ. In Isaiah, uh, Isaiah has spoken of how God's people are going to be taken into captivity, taken into Babylonian captivity, captivity because of their idolatry. So then you come to chapter 40, and he begins to provide words of comfort. In Isaiah 43, we read this in verses 1 and 2, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. 
When I pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. Isaiah is saying to the people, God will redeem you. And then we read this in verse 21. The people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. God formed Israel so that Israel might praise God for his redemption, for his rescuing them. In Isaiah 42, verses 6 through 8, we read this, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. Israel, the people of God, were always to be a blessing to the nations, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Chapter 43, verse 7, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made Psalm 96, verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the peoples. God formed Israel so that Israel might know the Lord their God and might praise him to the nations. Hear me, God establishes the church, the church that we are part of, the church that by faith in Jesus Christ, Peter says, you are a living stone being built up into the spiritual temple. You were created, the church was created to praise his wonders and his mighty deeds. So we are to do, church. We are to praise him, his mighty acts. How do we do that? I think we do that primarily in two ways, through worship and through evangelism. We praise his mighty deeds through worship and evangelism. We do that corporately. It's why when you gather on Sunday mornings, when you walk into this place, your primary purpose is to lift up the name of Jesus, amen? Amen. It is to magnify the one who has saved us and rescued us. We do that corporately, but hear me, we also do that individually. When you walk out of this place in a few minutes, you don't say, all right, God, I worshiped you, I'm done. No, you get in your car and you continue to worship. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, it is an act of worship. You are a living sacrifice, offering up acceptable praise to him. Hebrews 13, 15, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. You worship with him. You worship him with your family. You worship him at work. Everything you do is an act of worship. Why? For we are to make known what God has done, and that worship overflows into our evangelism. You are to make known to people the mighty work of of God. Peter goes on to talk about how we have been given mercy. We receive God's mercy so that we can proclaim God's mercy. Clowney writes in his commentary, we adore God not to gain his favor, but because adoration is our response to grace. He goes on to write, the heart of evangelism is doxological. The day I graduated from Southern Seminary, I went into the bookstore and I purchased a shirt that I wish Still fit, but I gained a little bit of weight since then. It was a light blue color, not North Carolina. That team that Kentucky Wildcats beat yesterday. There we go. That's for my son back there. Nobody else cares. But um, here's the shirt. It said, hey, doxa to theu. It's Greek. Hey, doxa to theu. It simply means the glory of God. 
everything you do, everything I do is to be done for the glory of God. It's why we go to the nations. It's why we go to Japan or Ecuador, because people there don't know Jesus. They were made to worship him and to know him and to love him, and they need to hear about Jesus. They need to glorify the name of God. Listen, people don't know the excellencies of God. They don't know his mighty deeds. Why? Because they are in darkness. And what do they need? They need the light of Christ to shine. Have you ever been in a place of intense darkness? I have. I've shared both of these before. One was physical darkness. One was spiritual darkness. Physical darkness in high school in Kentucky, went into mammoth caves, right? They take you into this cave. They got all the lights on. They turn all the lights off. They got one lantern. The guide's there. You're feeling secure. He turns the light off. Absolute darkness. Like, if you don't turn this light back on, I'm dying right here. I'm going nowhere. Like, you can just feel the the darkness. You can feel the people, but you can't see them. Physical darkness. But there's been a couple times in my life where I've felt, felt absolute spiritual darkness. One was in 2010 when I was in Japan, Kobe, Japan. We were doing a day of prayer walking, and, and, and then another day we got to go do some of the temples. We got to see some of the Buddhist temples, and we got to go in a Buddhist temple. You got to see all these people doing all of these things outside, the, the water, the purification, the offering of prayers, all of these things, the bringing the gifts and the wine to the Buddha, all of this. And as you're in this temple, it is spiritual darkness. Darkness, like you feel Satan everywhere. First time in my life I've ever felt that. I felt that in Ecuador when we went there earlier this year. And we got to go into one of the Catholic massive structures, which is now just a tourist trap. Beautiful building. Beautiful building. I mean, you can walk around and just be in awe. I got to be honest, I didn't want to be in there. Very uncomfortable. Darkness. Went into one room where they had this massive cross and Jesus just hanging on the cross. It's like you want to shout, he's not there. He's not there. What are you doing? But it's, it's darkness. All of these people, whether it's Buddhist or Catholics there who have no problem saying they are not Christians, don't call me a Christian, they don't believe what we believe, all of them going to hell. They need the light of Christ You're the light of Christ. You don't have to go to Ecuador or Japan to find lostness. It's across the street from you. You work with them. Darkness. And they need somebody, anybody, to walk into that darkness and to be the light of Christ. To proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into light. And then verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're almost done. Listen, we are people who have been in darkness, but are now in light. Amen? We're in light. We are a people who once were not God's people, but now are. Amen? We were a people who had not received God's mercy, but now have received God's mercy. Amen? And we go into a world proclaiming to those who have only known darkness, who are not God's people, For they are cut off from God, who have not known his mercy and will only know his judgment. One author wrote, God made you who you are so you could tell the world who he is. People need the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are surrounded by lostness. We are surrounded by darkness. In 2022, 
The IMB recently published the work that God had done among our international missionaries. We have a slide here. God's work through our international missionaries in 2022, 122 countries that our IMB missionaries have ministered into. 728,589 people have heard the gospel. 728,589 stones who have been built up into the living temple of God. 728,589 people who will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus will be there with them all because of our IMB missionaries taking the gospel to them. 178,000, well that's her, I heard, only 178,177 new believers. Those are the living stones. That many heard, but only that many have been built up as a living stone. I jumped ahead of myself there. 21,231 new churches, 102,417 baptisms. Praise God for the work that he's done. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Our God still saves. He still calls people out of darkness into light. But hear me, there is so much more work to be done. 2010, I went to Kobe, Japan. So thankful that God brought Richard to, to, to our church and, and, and Noonan here because and, I have a heart for the people in Japan. I mean, I went there, spent 10 days there. One particular day, we did some prayer walking. It really turned into more prayer writing. We got on a bus, and we just drove around, and we prayed. And I think I've shared this before, too, but we, we got to go up into a really tall building in Kobe where they have like a lookout like you might at the, the, in New York City, right? Go up really high. And you just got to look over the city. In 2010, I went back and looked a couple days ago. The population of Kobe was 1.5 million people. Estimates are, Richard was just telling me this, less than 1% of people in Japan are believers in Christ. Followers of Christ. Many of them have never heard. So listen, that means of 1.5 million people, 15,000 of them know Jesus, and a whole lot more don't. Some estimates said maybe 2% are Christian. Richard said that's even high, but let's just, 2% is the numbers that I did. That would mean 30,000 people know Christ, and 1,470,000 don't know Christ. That means they will die, and they will go to hell. You say, well, why don't people just tell them? Because there's not very many Christians there to tell them. Some people say, man, why do we go to places like Ecuador and Japan? Like, people here need Jesus. Yes, they do. But you know what they have here? You. They have access to the gospel here. There's 175 of us, maybe. Maybe a little less than that in this room. In the population of Noonan, that's a pretty good number. And we're not the only church. We're one of, I think, 50-something churches in the, in the Western Baptist Association. There's access here. There's not access among the Afro-Ecuadorians. There's not access in Japan. There's very few. It's why we emphasize this every year. That's why I'm going to challenge you. You say, what can, what can I do, Pastor? What can I do? You can pray. You pray for Richard faithfully. You pray for the Moss who are in Ecuador. You pray for them. You, you try to learn as much as you can about Lottie Moon and the, 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 the Christmas offering. You pray. You give. You give. Now, listen, we've already taken up the offering this morning. Maybe you haven't given yet, and the Spirit has just convicted you, and you say, hey, I want to give. Look, we have an offering box right out there. You just write a check, 
put it in one of our IMB envelopes, and you go put it in that box and you give. But Richard's right. You also need to be willing to go. You need to be willing to go on a short-term mission trip. College students, you need to be willing to go for longer. You need to pray, God, are you calling me into missions? And if he's not calling you into missions, you're not off the hook. Because we're all called to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Why? Because our God is worthy of their lives and of their praise. And we know eternity is at stake. I had, uh, back in 2010, I didn't have a Walkman, but I did have a little iPod. Right? You couldn't even, the, the really small one, you couldn't even see what song was coming next. You just hit the next button and just anything came. And I remember, like it was yesterday, on top of that building, overlooking buildings and buildings and buildings and people coming and going Wonderful people, kind people, gracious people. Everybody was so kind to us Americans, fascinated by us Americans. And the song began to play, You're the God of this city. And that's the song we're about to sing. I asked Brian if we could sing that this morning. You're the God of this city. Listen, church, when you think about Noonan and you think about the surrounding cities, when you think about Coweta County, yes, there's a lot of believers here, but we are surrounded by a lot of unbelievers. But I still believe God is the God of this city. And I still believe God is the one who calls us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And when we go beyond this city to the state of Georgia and to our country and to the world, it is God, God who still saves, God who still calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light, and it is God who has called us to proclaim his excellencies. So who do you know that needs Jesus? Who can you tell? Who can you share with? Listen, this season, you're going to be around a lot of family members. And sometimes the hardest people to share Jesus with is the family members. But you're going to be around them. Would you start praying now for them? Would you start praying, Lord, give me an opportunity, open a door, and may I be faithful? You're going to be out in a lot of stores with a lot of cranky, upset people. A lot of people who are overwhelmed and working long hours, they need grace, they need mercy, they need light in the midst of darkness. Will you be that light? Listen, some of you are going to go through a hard season. This is the first year you're without a loved one. Listen, I still believe, though as hard as it may be, God is still faithful. And brothers and sisters, they're going to need light in the midst of their hopelessness and darkness and difficult season, they're going to need somebody just to call them, somebody to sit with them, somebody to write them a letter, somebody just to say, hey, I love you and I'm here for you. You are the light of the world. You are light on the hill. Shine, shine Christ bright this season. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Richard. I thank you for our missionaries. God, I remember standing in the kitchen, standing in the kitchen with that sweet missionary couple and just hearing all the sacrifices our missionaries have to make. I mean, Richard shared today, leaving behind two sons in college, a dad who's struggling with cancer. And he's not a 30-minute drive. He's not a short plane trip away. He's on the other side of the world. And that's what they're willing to give up. Because they recognize eternity is at stake. 
They recognize their urgency, and you call them, and you give them a love and a heart for the peoples, for the nations, and so they go. And Father, my prayer, in light of what Richard has shared, in light of what your word tells us here, God, that you will place that burden upon our hearts. God, that you will show us the urgency of this moment, that we are living in darkness, and people need Jesus, and they reject the darkness because of their sin. But God, you still call people out of that darkness. So we may, may we shine bright. May we declare the mighty deeds that our God has done. Not our deeds, not our good works, but may we point them to God's grace and God's mercy and call them to repentance and to believe in the very same God that saved us can save them. Father, we can't save anyone. We recognize that. Richard can't save anyone. The work is too hard. We're not able, but God, you can. And so may we trust in you. And Father, as we sing this song, oh God, turn our hearts, turn our gaze, turn our eyes, turn our lips to you. That we can offer up the sacrifice of praise. That you are still the God of this city, the God of this world, and you are our God, our Lord. We are your people, and we want to magnify you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Let's worship together as we sing.
Amen, amen. You may be seated for just a moment. Let me again just thank Richard for coming today and just know, brother, you got a church that's going to be praying for you and, and lifting you and, and your wife and your two boys up as you go back to Japan. Richard's got a table out there. You can stop by and check out some of the things that he has. You can, I'm sure he's got a few minutes. You can ask questions and he'll answer those. And so he'll be out there in just a moment as you uh, make your way out. Let me just, um, as we've been leaving right to the right, we pick up our kids and it's been getting really crowded out there, kind of getting hard to get to the kids. So Unless you have multiple, multiple kids down the hall, if just one parent will go check your kid out, um, and if you're in there kind of congregating, if you'll either stay here and congregate or make your way outside to congregate just to kind of free up some of the congestion uh, that we're having right there um, in the hallway, we would appreciate that. Um, with growth and more children comes some challenges at times, and so uh, there's really no other way to pick them up than right there, so just if you'll just kind of be mindful of that. Hey, I want to encourage you two things, to come back tonight, 6 o'clock, we have our Christmas family night, we have some of our kids doing a drama, we have our adult choir and our kids choir singing multiple songs, we got our Northside Orchestra um, that's going to play, uh, we're going to do our children's story, it's going to be a fun time a time of joy, and then afterwards we're going to have some hot chocolate and cookies. If you had signed up to bring homemade cookies, please go ahead and do that. If you've already baked them, if you're thinking, hey, I was going to bake them today, I think we're going to have plenty. So if you've already got the ingredients you want to bake them, that's great. But if you read that and are like, hey, I need to bake some cookies today, I think we're going to have plenty. So I appreciate that. But come join us. And then next Sunday, normal morning service, and then we're going to have our candlelight Christmas Eve service next Sunday at 6 p.m. So invite friends and family tonight. Invite them next week as we lift up and praise God. Amen? Amen. All right, if you'll stand, let's be dismissed as we have been doing lately by reading from the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Pastor Gary is going to be out there shaking hands. I'll be at the front. I'm going to make myself available for a few minutes. If you need prayer for any reason and you would like me to come pray with you or over you, just come see me. And uh, I would be honored to do that. All right, let's read this together, beginning of verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Live sent and proclaim him and his excellencies. You are dismissed.